up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where we talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly role-playing games. Unless you're not playing them, and you're just watching a bunch of media. That is right, folks. Like it says on the in the description i do have the honor of having jason connerly live with me well it was live when we recorded it together it is no longer live but yeah so we have a really cool very in-depth super spoiler filled for both the amazon prime show and the book the first book in the series the eye of the world uh but it is a cool discussion if you're interested goes on for a while and we kind of go all over the place so yeah stay tuned for that it's really cool and then after that uh there's a message from uh carl and his wife amy of the geomologist presents uh talking about the netflix show sex education and i have a lot to say about that because i just finished season two and oh my god i love that show but again there are massive spoilers for season two of sex education. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, this probably isn't the episode for you. And that's totally cool. We'll catch you next time. Anyway, let's get into it. Cause yeah, it's a long talk. <laughs> Here we go. Let's go. Me introduce Jason. That's right, folks, as advertised back again, or maybe for the first time, the one, the only, Jason Connerly. Jason, take it away, dude. Hey, thank you for inviting me on your show, Joe. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. Awesome. So you asked me to watch this Wheel of Time thing, or you were talking about it, and you were hyped up about it. And and you know what? I turn it on, and it's got all all these diverse actors in there, and and, and it's this this supernatural. Have have you told your your listeners we're going to be doing spoilers? Yes. Okay. So you've got all these diverse actors and you got these these women oppressing these men and all the heroes are women. And, and, and what kind of friggin feminist crazy stuff is this? You know what, Joe? What, Jason? I'm really enjoying it, man. I, th- I think it's cool. I think it's it's a good show, you know, for what it is. Now, I don't have any yeah. background wheel time. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do all a right. deep dive here with you. Mm-hmm. You're going to help me out with your knowledge. I've got to admit, though, I do wonder. I, I mean, I'm assuming the books aren't. I, it's okay if we jump around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm a, so I know from what I gather from the show, this is a post-apocalyptic society. Is in they've had they had like a big civilization, and then this big disaster. The dark guy, the dragon came, the dark one came, and everything collapsed, and yeah. they had to rebuild up. And if the you had, okay, yeah. yeah. So say say you had like like our country, it's already a melting pot, mm-hmm. and then and say we fixed our all the racial issues sure. that, that definitely exist in today's world. No question about it. Mm-hmm. But say, say we did get past that. And then you had a big crash and you had to rebuild from scratch. You would have a friggin' integrated, diverse society, you know, that would look something like what you're seeing here on the show. So yeah. like the casting stuff is, is the only thing I saw on the show that it all was, I, I don't know if racial is the right word, where somebody was, and we've only seen four episodes, but the only thing I saw where somebody was judged really by their appearance was when they went after gingers with that guy that was up in the cage. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if that's a thing in the book or not, where like they go after like gingers or bad they guys don't, or something. Gingers aren't bad guys. 
but it is suspected that the dragon reborn will come from an area of the world where a lot of people have like reddish to blonde hair. Okay. So while gingers aren't the bad guys, they are looked askance. Gotcha. So yeah, that's the only thing. And I don't know if they've adjusted for that or, or it's almost like, you know, everybody all, all, you know, all ethnic backgrounds are all cool, except gingers is kind of what right. you get from the show. But but it's OK. It, it's right. all good. I, anybody out there with red hair, I'm, I'm, I'm just messed with you guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we are going to we are going to deep dive into it, because like I've said on the show, there is a big difference between the books and the movie uh, or sorry, and the show. And so it's fun. I've been having a lot of fun talking to my other friends who have read the book and are watching the show and then talking to other people who have not read the book and are watching the show. So it's interesting. So, yeah, let's 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 talk about it. Yeah. So it's interesting. Again, I haven't read the books and I haven't really read much like I haven't gone to the wiki page and like read everything or any of that. So right. what I what I've gathered is just from watching these four episodes. Yes. You know, on Amazon and. So far, it's cool. The the, the magic's kind of cool. I mean, obviously, they're, you know, you got special effects and all, but but the mm-hmm. idea of the way the magic works and like hear things on the wind and and the fact that right now it only works for women is, is totally cool. Because you could see, see to me, this world is more suited almost to a role-playing game. It's easier to run a game in this world than it would yeah. be, say, in Tolkien's world. Yeah, it, totally. It's Lord funny. Games, right? uh, today on Twitter, Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands pointed out that Apparently, in 2001, Wizards of the Coast put out a Wheel of Time game based on third edition D&D, huh. I, which I had no idea about. Yeah, I totally missed that. I mean, I wasn't or I wasn't doing much as RPGs during that time, and I wasn't playing D&D during that time. But, yeah, me neither. Huh. That's interesting. It'd be interesting to track that down. I wonder if it's... For I sure. wonder if they saw the rights. I wonder if the PDFs are out there. Yeah, but and so just to backtrack a little bit, so magic does work for men, mm-hmm. but only right. some men. And when it does, it's the male half of the magic, Sidene, is tainted. The dark one in the last battle, the dark one tainted the male half of magic. So whenever men use magic, they go crazy, insane, and murder everybody. Right, which is really cool for for game when you think about that. Yeah. you can have that that risk so if you you could definitely have male care pcs oh, for sure that yeah. are sensitive or are you know magically mm-hmm. in it, whatever but obviously they wouldn't want to use it very much so, right you, you know so so it's kind of neat and it looks like they've kind of combined the the mage and the clerics together at least so far i mean we see it like a separate healer type but she's using the same it's all right. one kind of magic yeah it's at all least one in the show kind it of, is yeah. yeah there is an arcane and divine it all comes from the true source, mm-hmm. which is the power that spins the wheel. Okay. That's what keeps the cosmic wheel moving is the true source. And that's where they tap their magic from. Right. And, and the other big theme in this, and I assume it's the same thing in the book, is the idea of reincarnation and, and rebirth, rebirth mm-hmm. and everything. You know, the that wheel metaphor, right? Everything yeah. comes around again. And Yeah. In the book, they say all the time, the wheel wills as the wheel will which is very hard to say, <laughs> but that's what they say. Right. No, it's, it's neat. So you, you, the acting's decent, you know, sure. it's, it's not, doesn't knock, you know, it's fine. There's, there's not who plays Rand kind of. Blah. 
Yeah, and he's still going to be there. So the guy playing Matt is, isn't coming back in season two. They recast him in season two. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't know why. I don't know if it was like a conflict of the actor schedule or if there was a problem oh, or what. I liked that, him. Yeah, I, I saw that when I was looking to see if there's going to be a second season. They said that he wasn't coming back. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was one of the better actors. I thought he yeah, did a pretty good too. job showing emotion, you know, emoting, giving his emotions mm-hmm. and all that. And he looks like he might have one of the more interesting arcs, too. Uh, yeah, which is a much different arc than he has in the book. Like, they, they've completely changed his arc altogether. Which isn't a bad thing, because no. somebody like you that read the book, you know, now, you, you, you know, it changes. So you're not seeing exactly the, you know, the page to the screen. And right. for me, I'm watching this. And then when I do go read the books, it'll be different. Yep. So that's a good thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing that I like about this world is that the dark one isn't like a god per se. He's just basically a super, super powerful magician type dude who's been able who keeps getting reincarnated. Does he does he like know who he is each time he's reincarnated? He can sort of sense him, right? So he knows when he comes, he knows, the Dark One knows when the dragon is reborn and starts sending out his minions, very mm-hmm. Nazgul style. Um, he's got a, well, we, I, yeah. Uh, how much do you want to know about the books? Like, No, you can, you, you're good. You can, you can talk about them. You're fine. So, so, so far all- in the show, we've only seen two kinds of minions, right? We've yeah. seen the, the eyeless ones, which are, I guess, like his Nazgul dudes, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and then we have the Trollocs, the Trollocs which are kind of like beastmen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then in the books, we start learning about how the Dark One has lieutenants called the uh, the Forsaken, and they all have like badass names, like Shamael and stuff. Like, and they're they're awesome. Um, and so, but we don't start meeting them till the very end of the first book, and then later on in the books. I, I guess I should say there's one third minion we do see in the series, or we've seen the series, which are humans that are aligned oh, yeah. with the dark one. So human dark agents. Friends, yeah, dark called. friends. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. And so the magic with the, the women, the Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. they're broken up into different Ajahs, different sets, which are based on colors. So there's like green, like the primary colors, green, yellow, red, blue. Um, and each color represents a different aspect. So Moraine, the main Aes Sedai in the story, she's part of the blue Aja, which is all about like basically reconnaissance, information gathering, mm-hmm. buying, that kind of stuff. There's the yellow Aja, which is dedicated to healing. The green is dedicated to kind of battle magic. Uh, and it, it, the red are dedicated to gentling uh, men with powers and they're, they suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that, which is kind of inner. We'll, we'll come back to that in a second. I, I do want to mention, before I forget, we talked about casting a little bit, and Moraine is played by Roseman Pike, who, who's a good actress. Pretty much every character she's played, not every character, but most of the roles she plays, she, she's like this this crazy character, and she ends up being like the bad guy, whether it's James Bond or whether it's Gone Girl or whether it's, you, you know, in, in, okay. in a bunch of these shows, right? Yeah. And here so far, she hasn't fallen, you know, she's doing something different, a different yeah. kind of character, which is cool. Um, nice. but yeah, so the, so this whole gentling him in is stripping the, the magic away from him. Right. So, so that's, yeah, it's in, I don't know if the book explains 
how that works or it, cause it, cause it's kind of like, like stripping the force from somebody in the star Wars universe. Right. Yeah. It's, it's basically yeah. They're, they're cut off from the source. Like they can't access it anymore. They're, a block is put in place. Right. Basically. And it, it, then they just, once they've tasted that power and that ability to affect reality around them and they can't do it anymore, they, they die. They just mm-hmm. wither and die. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely interesting. And and the so the show, I don't know, you, you said in the book there are all kinds of different cultures and yes. Yeah. So so is it is it kind of and I don't know if this is easy to answer or not cuz I haven't read it. Is this is it pretty much based like on one continent or is it like a worldwide thing? Yeah, it's it, it's set on the majority of the story is set on one big continent kind of like Europe or something with a bunch mm-hmm. of smaller countries and some bigger ones and then later on in the books and sort of in the beginning you learn that a long time ago an expedition got sent off over the big ocean and they never returned but they 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 know there's something over there but they don't really know what okay got it that's cool yeah and like uh lan the warder Mm -hmm. who I don't think it's enough credit in the show because in the books, he's like a super badass. He's like Aragorn to the extreme. Um, he's from like a northern kind of de- kind of like a Mongolian type culture or like the Mongols, like Genghis Khan and stuff from the borderlands. This right. super kind of almost like the Fremen too. There's mm-hmm. a there's a couple Fremen types in I have the world, but Lan is, yeah. So he's from that area. Um, and they're just, they just train to fight all the time and he's just cool. And he doesn't get as much love in the show. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it does kind of show, but yeah, I mean, and you can tell he's, you know, he's a, he's a badass warrior and they show as far as like tracking and lead him through the wilderness and, and some stealth and all, but yeah. not, perfectly although it's kind of undermined because um what's her name naive yeah yeah she she's able to track it but i mean at the end of the fourth episode you, you know it's it's heavily hinting that she may be the dragon right which, which yeah. i don't know if she'll be but but it kind of heavily hints that they heavily hint that and yeah. like i said if they do that that changes everything about the story because mm-hmm. uh, part of the whole book women can't be the dragon reborn because of the way the magic system works and how the men, it has to be a man who can access that side of the magic to bring everything together. Like now that they're changing that, that's basically like, you know, like I said, if you had in Lord of the Rings, if you had Galadriel Mm -hmm. walk the ring to Mount doom or Gandalf or somebody, it changes what the whole book is about. And that's cool because it's its own thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm definitely not throwing shade on it for that. Mm-hmm. But but they yeah they established. I think in the first step, like right away they established. Right, we don't know if it's a man or a woman. Or right. Yeah. Within the first five seconds, they say that, and I was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So so they definitely yeah so they definitely set her up. Which again, we're only halfway through the first season. Right. So it's possible they're going to switch it up. I mean, I'm assuming we'll know who the dragon is. At the end of the season, probably. I, I don't know how fast they establish them in the book, though, so maybe we won't. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you kind of get the sense early on that it, I mean, I guess we can talk about this, right? Yeah, We're yeah. About yeah. This stuff. You get the idea pretty early on that it is Rand 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by the end of the first book, it is without a doubt. Yeah, he comes out as the Dragon Reborn, basically an unwilling and unwanting Dragon Reborn. Right. And he's probably being chased by everybody, right? Because the women yeah. are trying to gentle him and the, the white cloaks. Well, we got to talk about the white cloaks, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're the worst, dude. I hate them. dude. So, so are they, is that pretty close to the book or is that different? No, that's that, that was dead on to the book. They're the worst. They're terrible. Okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So the white cloaks are also, so, so, they claim, well, I guess they are in their own way, servants of the light, right? In their yeah. own way, good guys in their own mind. Yeah, they're but, called children of the light. That's the name of their organization. But but they're totally against the, the, I, I, I said, I, yeah, they I said, they're servants of the dark ones. So, so how's that, how's that balanced or not balanced, I guess, but they just, cause he, in the show, they even, the one guy even tells, tells her when she has the wound, she goes, you need to find an I said, I to heal that. Mm-hmm. So, so so are they just they just don't think that anybody should have magic is that they the don't idea? think anybody should have magic okay they think it's a servant of the dark anything that's not what they're into like Perrin you know in the in the show so far it's hinted that he might have something to do with wolves right mm-hmm. right they that they that gets leaned into real hard into the books like he becomes like the master of wolves and his eyes kind of turn to wolf eyes and stuff and they want to kill him too even though he doesn't do magic they mm-hmm. feel it's unnatural and it's an abomination so they want to kill him too they're just against anything weird okay so these are your your standard you know human supremacists kind of thing and yeah kind of like the KKK. Yeah. i mean they're very like they're not wearing white cloaks and white robes for nothing right yeah yeah so and and that's fine i just yeah, yeah they're about that standard run-of-the-mill bad guys that think they're good guys because mm-hmm. they absolutely think they're doing right yeah sure that sure yeah w- which of course they're not but um yeah th- there's a an, an organization kind of like that in a i think it's the new barbarians i, I look trying to look find it on my here on the phone while we're talking it's an italian man max ripoff okay and but there, there's a group that, that are clothed in white and they're they're running around you, you know the wasteland and and supposedly cleansing and doing stuff but but of course they're not you know like the leader of the of these bad guys you, you know he sits there and like they capture this dude and rape him and do this stuff and right but um but but they're running around like all in white and yeah they're called the templars <laughs> Yeah, okay. yeah, they're the Templars in that movie. It's the New Barbarians. Uh, yeah. If you like man, Italian Man Max ripoffs, it's worth seeing. But yeah. anyway, the Children of Light are kind of like a combo of like the Spanish Inquisition mm-hmm. mixed with like the KKK. Gotcha. Yeah. Or, or for role playing game fans, if any listen to the show, we there, there's something like um, like in Rifts or in any of the Palladium games. But, you know, after the bomb or rifts, both have these human groups that are like human supremacists that mm-hmm. they're the same way, like anybody with powers or anybody with, the, you know, any uplifted animals or anything like that. And they even did that in Gamma World. I don't know if you ever played Gamma World back in the day, but Gamma yeah. World had a had the same thing, too, with what they call pure strain humans. And they had a group of separatists like or, not, you know, a KKK group like that. Right on. Pretty, pretty common trope. That's yeah. 
Yeah. So so your so your powerful forces in here. Now we saw in episode three, four, probably episode four, I don't know. But near the end there, we, we saw there's a like a separate kingdom because we hear about this war to the south. Mm-hmm. So there are other powers in the world. Yeah. But the but apparently these these white cloaks are, are kind of, they, they're kind of like free roaming. They yeah. Kind of like do what they want. They're a paramilitary and, group, basically. Yeah, and, and and so I guess like in the books, no kingdom is like decide just to put them down, and they, they there's so them. many of that. The idea is they're so they, their army is so huge that they're almost a nation in and of themselves. Gotcha. Um, but they just travel around. Yeah, they don't have a main. They'll like occupy a city for a while and then leave, kind of thing, and. Nobody likes having them in their cities when they come. Yeah, which is kind of seems the same thing with the Aes Sedai, right? Yeah. Now they've got their own, they've got the White Tower, they've got their own place. Right. But they kind of travel around and impose on on the locals as they travel yes. as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, these two, two powerful forces that just kind of roam around and lord over the average person in the name of good. And then they hate each other. Right. Yeah. yeah, but did the Aes Sedai do anything against the White Cloaks, though, or are they just... No. I mean, they'll they'll fight back, but they don't actively try and destroy them. Okay. Good, because it seems that they would have the power, you hear in the book, or from what they say in the show, it seems like they would have the power to do that if they wanted to. But there's not very many Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Like, eventually, you'll run out of magic you get weak when you cast gotcha. spells basically so eventually your magic will run out and you'll just get swarmed and murdered mm-hmm. but but they're strong enough i guess the white tower that the white cloaks can't just go there right they can't yeah exactly that's that's the balancing act you know gotcha so the other the other group we saw so far in this we, we went to a couple different areas we went to like a mining town and we were at the two rivers i i think it's called the like yeah. the home base but the other group we saw were kind of i mean they're the equivalent of uh, gypsy's not a popular word anymore but but right. it really hit all those tropes right yeah because it's traveling people yep. that people don't trust people think they're thieves and they even brought in the tinkerer thing mm-hmm. which all that loops into that right, right. All, in that romani the idea of what pe- the way people at least the stereotypes have been for sure for a long time for like the romani mm-hmm. people you, you know called gypsies for a long time so is that and all that's like that in the books too or they they kind of yeah they hit that pretty good that stays pretty true the the traveling people the tinkers um they they're play a really important role we very briefly in episode two or something when matt and rand come up to that uh shanty town basically and there's that Mm -hmm. dude in the cage that's dead yeah, and Tom the Gleeman is telling Matt how he was an um, Aiel, an right. Aielman. Mm-hmm. So Th- those, that's the ginger folks, right? And those yeah. are basically they are the Fremen of this war. They live in the desert. They're badass warriors. Their women fight too, and basically, like they talk about, whenever they raise up their veils over their nose, that's when they're in kill mode and they just murder everybody. They're like the ultimate fighters. Uh, in the books, the the tinkerers are actually. You find out much later on in the books that they're actually an offshoot of the Aiel. They left 
because they didn't want to kill anymore. They got tired of all the blood and the killing and they wanted to be peaceful. Um, and so they kind of, you know, they're, they're the same people, but the two opposite sides of the same coin, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can see the, 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 I, I should, I should have the character names in front of me. The, the one that has affinity with wolves. Parent. Parent. <laughs> thank you. I, I, the way the show's going, I could see Perrin just joining up with those, the with totally. the tinkers. I have no idea what they're doing with Perrin. He was never married. He never murdered anybody in the Two River. Like I don't know why they did. I I don't know where they're going with Perrin. It's very weird. Yeah, it's so. So in D and D parlance, like you you have a, a definite party here, right? You've got yes. Yeah, Perrin's basically your barbarian, right? Rand's. It rans kind of like a ranger. I mean, not necessarily, but you know, because he's using a bow and he's and stuff. The um, Matt's like a thief, right? A rogue, I guess you, you guys call him these days. And yeah. um, you, you've got the shoot, what's her name? Um, Nynaeve and Egwene. Egwene. Egwene's your, you know, whether she's, I guess she's effectively cleric at the moment, the, the way they're treating her. Right. So far. So you, you've got a pretty common party here. Yeah. Um, totally and in the book interesting in the books it would be rand would be a sorcerer Mm -hmm. um matt yeah is your thief rogue perrin would be probably the closest thing would be a druid almost okay or maybe like a ranger with a bunch of animal companions because it's Perrin and the wolves in the book. That's what it's all about. That's why he was my favorite. I love wolves to this day, mostly because of this book. Um, and then, yeah, Egwene and Nynaeve would be kind of cleric, magician, multi-class. Yeah, see, so what, what I thought, yeah, because we are talking spoilers. So the, what I thought, and mind you, I haven't seen anything else, but so he had the wound. And he, he has that wound to his leg from the fight. Right. And, and we saw the other wounds have some of them had the trolkin poison and mm-hmm. problems. So, so I almost got the impression that wound was going to s- slowly infect him. And maybe the wolves are evil. And the fact that they came up and licked him was like acknowledgement that he's, yeah, not that he's a bad guy, but he's, you, you know, infected, you know, they, they leave him alone because he's infected by evil. Yeah. But, but it sounds like that's not the way the books are. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I hope they do. Cause I, I love all that where he just is like the wolf master but they left out basically the the character that initiates Perrin into this like wolf brotherhood. Uh, they meet him, Perrin and Egwene meet up with I forget his name off the top of my head right now. But right before they meet up with the Tinkerers, they meet up with this guy, and he tells Perrin all about what's going on with the wolves and stuff. So they left that guy out altogether. And it makes me wonder if they're going to go down that route or not. But they hinted at it with the wolves, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing. Yeah, it, what, what that, that's cool, though, because we'll, we'll find out together. They do have new cast members coming on next, but I don't know who they're cast as, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Tom is a character I could see. The Gleeman, I could see returning again. I mean, they definitely made it look like he was a goner. But, I, I mean, you don't see him die, right? Right. So. That's, yeah. That, that also happens in the books. You don't see him die, but... By the end of the first book, he hasn't come back yet, so you don't know at the end of the first book. Gotcha. Yeah, um, he, he was definitely in a bad spot because mm-hmm. you had the 
use fire. Now, so was that an eyeless or the, what, what was yeah, that? The fades. Yeah, the fades. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a ring wraith, right? More, but they're more they're they're corporeal, uh-huh. um, but they call them half men in the book because they're basically like men who have been just totally corrupted and morphed into this eyeless, faceless creature with a crazy mouth. Because in the books, they're almost spies. They just wear hoods, so you can't see their face. Because they can still okay. talk and everything, and mm-hmm. they're basically people uh, with a little more power. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and yeah. then the the beastmen. So they didn't quite go. I, I don't know if I totally understood what happened when um, was it Naiva when the the um, the the heel the the lady that we think might be the dragon Nynaeve. Nynaeve, thank you. Yeah. When Nynaeve escaped from the Trollkins, when the two were fighting, right? I, I don't know if what what that was about. That fight was about between those two, uh, but just a plot device to get Nynaeve away, yeah, get, get her away. Because yeah. Amos initially, they reminded me, and I mentioned this in Discord. So in RuneQuest and the Grantha world, you have like Beastmen, right? But the way they and, and apologize to your listeners in advance, but they. Yeah, so the way they procreate is they'll, you know, snatch women from whatever race or species, whatever, you know, and then they, they'll, and, and the offspring will end up being beastmen. That's that's how you get new beastmen. Right. And, you know, RuneQuest. And, and, and those things kind of reminded me, like, that idea, which is a, you know, it's, it's a horrific idea, but it, it's actually a great, like, a plot device to use, like, in a role-playing game. Oh, like, yeah. You, like, you think about it. I mean, it, it, yep. it gives you a great enemy in a, in a role-playing game, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like throwing out, you know, wares or whatever, right. whatever kind of evil creature you want. But it's yeah. So, yeah. So in the in the books, they're basically like I said to you on Discord, they're basically more like Tolkien's orcs where they're creations of the Dark One. Mm-hmm. They don't really have at least they don't go into the reproduction. There's just mm-hmm. hordes and hordes and hordes and hordes of them. Right. So. No, you know, it's it's a neat world. I'd be interested to see to try to track down that third edition product. I want I, I bet you they don't have the license anymore though. Yeah, probably and, not. And I bet you that license is worth um some money. More now. yeah, way more now you, than it was. You know, then. so so we'll see Medifius or or somebody else will come up with the one of these other companies will probably end up with the rights to it, right? So yeah, if they come when they come out with season two, if it looks like it's getting some traction, I'm sure one of these companies is going to come out with a new one, a yeah. new game for it. So which I, I'll check out. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be easy enough to do in pretty much any game you want, though. Yes. It, to definitely. take, you, you know, like like you could do this in Rollmaster with that. Oh, here you go. On Amazon, it's only um $305 for that. <laughs> <laughs> If you want yeah. the three, the three one, so there you yeah. go. But, wow, yeah, but yeah, I could easily see taking this world and and running it, like saying Rollmaster or something like that, or you could do it in Pathfinder without a problem. Yeah, you'd have to you tweak some stuff. You know, you if it was a male magic user, you'd have to have some sort of sanity mechanic or something in there, mm-hmm. like a where it would track down. Um, yeah, which would be cool, and and you, that's where you would want. 
it depends on your group and how you do it, but it almost be interesting to have that hidden from the player to some degree, you, you know, so they're not sure quite how much or have it be yeah. a random roll, like how many points of sanity or points or whatever they lose. They, yeah. So, totally. so, so you, you want to push your luck mechanic there, right? Yeah. So when they're casting spells, that, that should totally be a push your luck. Like they're not sure if this is the one that's going to push them over the edge or not. Yeah, definitely. Because, yeah, you wouldn't want it to be a fixed amount because that's not how it works at all. Right. And, and, and it would kind of take the the danger away from it. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you want to feel dangerous every time they, they invoke. So, yeah, yeah, man, I think it'd be fun. It's a fun world for sure. It's a big world. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, And, and the other thing they had in there, I guess they probably have in the books is that, that City of the Dead or... They, they oh city. yeah yeah uh shadar logoth mm-hmm. that, that, that was pretty cool yeah that so that's where in the books that's where matt's story arc takes off he he they go they get tricked by this undead monster into like coming down and looking at all this treasure and basically all the treasures curse. And if anything gets taken out, the person who takes it starts getting cursed. So Matt actually takes this uh, ruby tipped dagger with him and nobody knows about it. And he starts going, starts getting all crazy because he's getting possessed by this evil spirit because he took the cursed treasure. Okay. And it looks like they're probably doing that in the, in the story. Right. The but show. they're hinting at it that it's because they didn't do anything with that. in when they were there, so they're hinting that it's sort of the one power that's driving Matt crazy. Well, he did take a, that ruby dagger, though. Oh, did he? Yeah, see, yeah. That's that, the problem with not being able to see, goddammit. Yeah, so they... <laughs> so wait, Yeah, he went off on his own, and he, and he saw this box, and he opens up this oh. box, and, and he takes the ruby dagger out, and, and, and that's when the shadows started chasing, like all the... The shadows. Oh, I don't know how well you could see that, but yeah, but basically this black, like shadow came across the ground. It like it, it like ate a horse, and then they started chasing them, and and that's when they all okay. left the city. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was after he he took the dagger, and then like the, yeah, you know, okay. like the corruption came after them all. Nice, because I know they did because the corruption actually manifests itself as like this person that's like, hey, come on, guys, I got some treasure for you. Yeah, they left all that out. Right, right. So he just comes across this box with a dagger right. in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, close enough. At least yeah. the dagger's still in there. Yeah, yeah, and he he took it with him. So that so that's yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. so so that is there, and that that would make sense. That, yeah, that does cool. make more sense. Okay. Yeah, because Matt's power, like everyone in the party in the books, even though Rand is the Dragon Reborn, they all get cool ass powers. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like they get to control the wolves or they get. Yeah. And Matt's power is luck. He's basically like Gambit okay. from Marvel. That's cool. Yeah. He has luck powers and he's like awesome in the books. And, that, and I like his actor in this show. I thought he was doing a really good job. And that makes me sad that it's not going to be him next season. Yeah. I, I hope it was just a contra- contractual thing and not the actor did something bad that they had to cut him. Right. I, I don't know. Cause I don't you know follow the stuff on social media and stuff yeah me neither um yeah hopefully it was just something where it was like a scheduling conflict sure something like that yeah because i he was probably the i don't know if he's he's one of the best if he wasn't the best actor yeah he's 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 up there because there are a couple really good actors and a couple are kind of eh 
Like, like yeah. Perrin was okay. He, yeah, Perrin's all right. He was fine. It, like, say, Rand was. Eh. Yeah. Yeah, he he didn't impress me. No. Um, <laughs> actually, most of them are kind of they're, they're fine. They're yes. They, nobody is so bad that it pulls it like ruins the show for you. Yeah. But, but I don't know that that there's any that because when you talk about actors, right? You you know, like some shows you watch just because the like you don't care about the show, you just want to see the actors. Mm-hmm. Like True Detective season one, you you're watching that because you want to see Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Right, yeah, it, yeah. you know, because because like both of them knock it out of the park, but you know the plot's so so. So it's but but this one the plot keeps. You know, I I thought it was good. I, I'm sure there are a bunch of people on Twitter and everywhere else complaining about you, you know the diverse casting and all that, but I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I, I I thought it was neat, and it and like we talked about at the beginning of this talk, if you had you know a highly advanced civilization that that crashes. I mean, I don't know how advanced they got. I don't Super know how advanced. Super. Yeah. 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 So it would make sense that you would have, you know, diverse, you know, what, what they used to call like a melting pot, right? Yeah. You'd have like, like in America where it's all intermixed. Right. Only, you know, get past the racial part. And then when you rebuild, it will be what you see in the show. So yeah. that's awesome. Hopefully we hey. get there someday. Not necessarily the, the crash, but, <laughs> you know, hopefully we can. <laughs> but, but I mean, that's the kind of world you want. Hell. Yeah. Well, and that that's how the crash happened in the first place because everything was so good. Things were so advanced. The magic was so prevalent and powerful that they're like, let's kill the fucking dark one, <laughs> you know? And they tried to, and he's like, nah, kid. Uh, they were able to lock him away, but at the same time, that's when he tainted the male half of magic, and that's what broke the world. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it goes from the age of legends to the age of madness. Um, and both of those were thousands and thousands of years ago. That's a, that's a really neat world. I'll have to, I, I probably won't get into it yet because I've got some other books I need to read, but I, I, I may pick them up. They're, yeah. They're, I, I've said it before. The first, you know, four or five books are really good. And the last two or three books are really good. The middle ones, some of them kind of drag. Okay. Uh, and that's a shame because there's 14 total books and they're all really long. <laughs> I mean, not, the first book is less than 800 pages. Right. Yeah. So you say, so, so I just picked up the empire of the East, which is this book that like they pull a lot of ideas from D and D from like this predates D and D, but, okay. but yeah, it, it's the same thing. It, well, not the same thing. It's, but it's a mix of technology and science and it's one of those worlds. But, but like the first three books, which are the core of this, mm-hmm. are, are like 550 pages Yeah, <laughs> for, for, you know, for all three. So, but, but I'll read that for, but this has some cool stuff in here, like talking owls and friggin' some other stuff. So, so that's kind of neat, but they, yeah. they, uh, some of the, the D and D isms you see come, come from the, this series. So okay. That, What's it called again? Uh, Empire of the East. Empire of the East. Okay. Yeah, it's. it's okay. I'll, I'll I'll read it and let you know. Is, oh, I you haven't read it. Yet. No, I haven't read it yet. I I I just got it. Oh, okay. Um, but I I know like like if you read, you, you know, you read like where did this come from? Where did they come up with that? Like there there are definitely things from D and D that come from these because it you know predates. You know, Gygax read this and added in. Yeah. You know things from these books. So. Well, that's what's fun. Like. If you read older fantasy, like pre D fantasy, uh-huh. it's different than post D fantasy. Like Robert Jordan 
you know, he wrote this first book in 1990 when he was probably in his like twenties or thirties. So, you know, that dude probably threw some dice before he wrote this book. Right. Like you're yeah. not a fantasy author in that time. Cause he grew up in the seventies and eighties. So he would have been exposed to it, to D and D. So have you read Seth Skorkowski stuff? I haven't. I mean to, cause I love that dude, but I haven't. Yeah. I, I haven't read his fantasy. I, I've got, I've got it. At least I've got on Kindle. I, okay. I've, I've read, he, he's got like a modern, like a urban fantasy thing. Right. Where, where dudes have like holy weapons and the holy weapon, like bonds to, to the user. Okay. And, and they're, and, and so he has like a series about that. And I've read those and, and they're fine. It's like monster hunting books. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and they're fine They're but I'm interested to read his fantasy. I'm sure it, same thing. It's going to be obviously informed by D and D because, you know, yeah. he role played before he wrote them. So, well, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, no. it, it's just, you, you look at these older books and, and you do, you have that mix of magic and tech, you know, you have robots mixed in with your friggin' you know, dragons and everything right. else you get, you know, it's yeah. all mixed together back then science fiction fantasy was fell or science fiction founder fan it was all one genre right basically. You, you know right. what i mean it was all you, you had some hard sci-fi that was just like this is only technology but there a lot of the fantasy was a mix of the two totally yeah and yeah in a in a mess before we get out of here in a message mm-hmm. that i hasn't probably been played yet you mentioned that it was cool that i can pinpoint like one of my major touchstones to my DMing style being mm-hmm. being this book and how that's cool. So are you, do you, would you be able to point to something like that and be like, this is informs a lot of my style? You, you know, I'd have to think about it. I Yeah. Sorry to put I, you on the spot. No, it's okay. It's yeah. Not, not off the top of my head, which is bad because yeah. you, you know, I'd pose that question to, you know, sent you that message. And I should be able to do that. You would think. You would think I've put put the effort into thinking about it. Well, like you mentioned, maybe yeah, maybe people just haven't thought about it. But this is definitely like absolute because, like I, I read it when I was twelve, and so I I had played some D and D before then, but that's right when I was getting into it, like real heavy playing uh, Merp and Rollmaster and stuff. Um, and yeah, so that's it. Just like the perfect age, I came to this book, and I was like, "This is D and D, right?" Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the flow. A lot of the games I run when I'm doing it, the flow is going to come from your your the like your sword and your '80s movies, your sword and sorcery movies, or your action mm-hmm. movies. You know, if I'm running more modern one, it, you know, it'll be informed by your buddy cop movies, your, right. you know, your radiations movies, whether it be, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it really depends. I, but I'm one of those people, I'm, I'm weird because if you asked me to tell you my five favorite movies, I'd have a hard time doing it or my five right. favorite or, or it would change every time. Right. I, yeah. I just don't, I, there's a lot of things I like and there are things I definitely don't like. Yeah, but but yeah, it's hard for me to tell you. My all-time favorite is X. You, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I'm just not not that attuned to it. it it's hundred. like stuff. It's like I've got a bunch of junk here, and you know, I I, I like my stuff, but yeah. ultimately, it's stuff, right? Sure. So, so if everything I had went away, that would suck. But at the same time, I, I can't say there's anything I'd. I'd be like, man, I wish I still had that. 
you, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, yeah, would if, you know, we're, we're going to play a game. It's like, man, I wish I still had that, that game they don't make anymore, but there's nothing that's, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, I, it's I just have stuff. a whole, yeah, yeah, I got a whole rack of DVDs and I can't remember the last time I watched the DVD. Yeah, you well, know, yeah, I've got in my room. <laughs> I, I I picked up the the complete set of Millennium. I haven't watched it yet. I need, I need to watch it. You remember that show? Yeah. Did you yeah. ever watch that? that How much? Nineteen ninety. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I need to watch that. Um, it's got Lance Hengerson, the guy that played Bishop in Aliens movies, and he was the father in um. Okay. Pumpkinhead. You, you've seen yep. him in different movies. Yeah. But um, but anyway, he's like a ex FBI profiler, and he's hunting down like this doomsday cult. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I remember that. Yeah, it was done by the guy that did the X Files. It's darker, mm-hmm. but you yeah. can't find it anywhere. Like the DVD sets are out there from like the nineties or, or like early two thousands, I guess. But, yeah. But there's no, like it, it's not streaming anywhere. There's no current, you, you know. So huh. I don't, it, it's got it's licensing thing or you know whoever owns it just hasn't released it. Like yeah, for like fifteen years it hasn't been out there at all. <laughs> So. All right. Well, you know, I think we kind of went around the wheel a little bit on this yep. one. Yep. Uh, do you have any last words to say about the four episodes you've seen so far? It, it was better than I thought. Definitely. I went in with kind of, you, you know, low expectations because they haven't, you know, some of these haven't been done so well. I agree. Uh, even, even ones like where I wasn't impressed by the books, like the, um, was it Sword of Shannara? Or oh, God, that sucks so but, hard, that TV show and books. Yeah, yeah, both of them. But, you, you know, so you don't have really high hopes for these right. things at all. But this you turned out that. pretty good, all, yeah. all told. I I was impressed. I'm looking forward to see how it turns out. And, you know, I, I don't know. So is this tracking? I guess that's my last question for you. Is this kind of tracking with the first book? Do you think this first season is going to be like the first book or the first two books or? They haven't What's it feel uh, like so far. It's still deeply set in the first book. Uh, the stuff that happens with Logan there at the end mm-hmm. that happens later on. So that sort of confused because everything up until then has been very firmly rooted in the first book, and they haven't gotten to the end yet of the first book. So I'm guessing this first season is going to be the first book with some other stuff added in. Yeah, so I'm wondering if they're going to try to stretch us out 14 seasons. <laughs> Oof. Well, do the books? Ju- so let me ask you this: Do the books jump around like time-wise? Do you not much? Oh, so so they don't like jump. So it's not like Dune where you're you're covering oh, no. thousands of years and stuff. Yeah, no, the timeline. I mean, they they flash back, they go backwards in time, mm-hmm. but the timeline from when Moraine first comes to Two Rivers until the end of the 14th book is only a handful of years. Okay, so so they yeah. could potentially, if they wanted to do, you know, if the interest was there, yeah. they could stretch us out a number of seasons. Yeah, if or, they were stretch out's the wrong word, right? They could, right? Yeah, yeah. If they like recorded a bunch of seeds, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what they do. Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, that's that's cool. I'm I'm interested so far. Like I say, it's it's a neat world. It's different. It's you, you know, it's not a Tolkien world. It's not your your cookie cutter world, right? So far, so. Yeah, well, cool, yeah, man. New. It pumps me yeah. up that you like it. That's awesome. Uh, so if I like it and Jason likes it, folks, and you know how much we argue back and forth, it's got to be pretty decent. So go check it out. <laughs> anyway, everybody, um, yeah, let's let's get out of here. Jason, say goodbye. 
Goodbye. Goodbye, folks. We'll we'll talk soon. Hey, Joe. It's Amy and Carl. Just calling because we listened to your uh, message about sex education. So, yeah, funny story. Carl was out of town at one point in time, and I came across that show. And I binged season one and season two. Was almost done with season three. And Carl came into town, and we started it all over again. Which I highly suggest because it's funnier the second or third time you watch it. So, yeah, no spoilers out of me. I actually enjoy season two better. I think season two is a little crazier than season one. So keep watching. Season three was a little let down, but there's a lot of... Actually, season two made me more angry than anything. But uh, season three, that is. So, uh, yeah, give it a give it a whirl. Let me know what you think. I think it's an awesome show. And uh, it's funny that people don't like it because I think they're a little repressed or scared. All right, so there are going to be some massive spoilers for Sex Education Season 2, which is as far as I've gotten. I'm all the way through Season 2 right now. So if you don't want to hear about the end of Season 2 of Sex Education on Netflix, stop listening now and skip ahead, um, I don't know, five minutes or so. Okay, are you gone? All right, so a couple things to say about Season 2. Well, before that, uh, Amy and Carl, that's dope that you guys like the show. I absolutely love it. And season two solidified that love for me. And there, there's a few reasons why. One was the goddamn play that the Romeo and Juliet play that the students perform at the end of the season. The Maybe the best play, best musical of all time ever. Uh, yeah, just a phenomenal... <laughs> Just amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. But what really sealed the deal for me on why I love this show, because throughout the first two seasons, I was like, that's cool that they're touching on so many different things, different aspects of life and high school life and human behavior and everything. They really are covering a broad swath of... Yeah, of life, of life events and shit. And it, they do a fantastic job. But really, really, when I was like, yep, this show gets it. It's smart. It's 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 good. It's a good show because they make you want to beat the fucking shit out of a dude in a wheelchair. And that's amazing. Because way, way, way too often in media, whenever... I'm just going to speak whenever they I'm just going to speak to people with disabilities because that's what I can talk to. Um, but it sort of transcends the sort of all protective classes. But generally in media, if they have someone with a disability, that person is going to be nice. That person is going to be sympathetic. They're, you know, they're going to be a good person. Nope. This dude in the wheelchair is a fucking asshole, and I would beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I hate him so much. I got so mad. You, Carl and Amy, you guys talked about how season, well, at least Carl talked about how season three makes him really mad. So I don't know, because the end of season two, I was livid. I was livid, but so, so happy. Uh, so happy that a show made me want to beat up a dude in a wheelchair. <laughs> Which, funny enough, is not the first time 
I've ever wanted to beat up a dude in a wheelchair. Because it just goes to show, just because someone has a disability, which anyone who knows me knows this is true, but just because someone has a disability doesn't mean they can't be an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, there. I've talked about it before, but there used to be this dude uh, down in the area of Seattle where I used to live who would frequent some of the same bars I did. He was in a wheelchair. He had severe, I'm not exactly sure what, but a major developmental disorder, wheelchair-bound. Uh, and he was just an asshole. He was just an asshole. He'd be in a crowded bar. He'd run into someone and just be a prick about it. And yeah, I hated that guy. And I felt fine with hating him. It's okay to hate someone with a disability. Don't hate them because they have a disability, obviously. But if they're a dick, they're a dick. And their disability does not excuse that. Uh, so yeah, when when that happened, I was just like, okay, good good on you, show. One of the main things I love about sex education so much is that it... <clears throat> It'll bring something up early on in the season and then tie a bow on it by the end of the season. It'll wrap it up. Usually not in an episode, which is pretty typical for U.S. sitcoms where, like, you know, a situation will arise and be cured, basically, be taken care of by the end of the half an hour episode. No, something will happen in episode one and then it'll finally and then throughout the rest of the season, they'll come back to it, come back to it work on it, and then by the end, you know, three, four, five, sometimes six episodes later, six hour-long episodes later, then it'll finally get resolved. And it just makes it seem much more realistic that these problems that are big, major problems, you know, obviously the show is exaggerated, right? Like, (laughs) no high school is like this ever. And if it is, I'm going back in time and going to this school. Because I would, I would, I would just join the theater crew. One, yeah, theater chicks are kind of my jam in high school. Anyway, but that's a different story. (laughs) But yeah, it's just so cool how the show will bring up something like, like what happens with Amy on the bus, um, where that dude wanks off on her on the bus, like. That happens in the first or second episode of season three and does not get resolved. And it's not even 100% resolved. Doesn't not even start to get resolved until like five episodes later. And that's amazing. That's really good storytelling. That's really good storytelling. And yeah, this show is amazingly written. You know, some of these kids seem like they're they talk like they're a little older than 16, but that's cool, right? Like I said, it's an exaggerated situation. Um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, I really, really like it. I'm going to watch the third and uh, final season that's available on Netflix, at least here in the States. I'm going to watch that soon, maybe today. And then I'll be sad that it's over. But, you know, Amy Amy talked about how it's better the second go round. And, yeah, I will absolutely – this is a show I will come back to again and again. It, it's – I don't know what it is about me, right? Like, I, I always had it in my head that as you get older, you know, you lose some of those super intense emotions that you feel during high school and stuff. 
And this show is, has been able to tap back because I, I feel them, man. I feel these emotions. I still feel them. Uh, yeah, there's a big part of me that I think is still kind of a kid like that, you know, where I, 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 I feel these crazy intense emotions. And I think it's great that this show is tapping into this. Yeah. I don't know. I really like the show. I'm glad that you and Carl, Amy, I'm glad you both like the show. That's great. And I hope there's more of it. I hope it continues after season three. Well, I hope it continues well. You know, I hope they keep doing as good of a job as they've been doing in the future. If they keep putting out more episodes, because it's really good. It's really freaking good. There's no way this show could get made in the States. So I'm just happy it's getting made. Our goddamn puritanical bullshit, weird stuff that we have about sex here in the States. I hate it so much. It's such this double standard, hypocritical bullshit. Uh, don't sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. But we're going to throw sex in your face all the time, every day, nonstop on media, but don't ever think about sex unless you're married and then only for procreation. I hate Puritans. I hate the whole wait till you get married thing. It's the teaching abstinence and sex education class is stupid, should be criminal. It's, it's just dumb. It's friggin' dumb. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. So this show is great. <laughs> I wish it was. Yeah. I, I wish it was super popular and everyone was like, yeah, cool. I get it. I totally get it. Anyway, you two, thanks so much for the call. That was fantastic. I, yeah, it pumps me up that y'all like it. So, all right, let me get out of here. I hope nobody who cares about spoilers actually listened to this whole episode. Because you, you, you got ample warning. And yeah, thank you, Jason, so much for coming on the show. That was really fun, man. I had a blast talking with you. Before we actually started talking about Wheel of Time, Jason and I rolled up uh, the four characters I'll be playing in, the, in my first ever Dungeon Crawl Classics funnel game that I'll be playing soon, this coming Thursday. It's an 80s horror game. And uh, the four characters I rolled up are a wallflower, a heartthrob, a karate expert, and a political activist. And I told Jason then, I was like, so that basically just describes my whole personality. (laughs) I'm, I'm all of those things and none of them. Anyway, yeah, I can't wait for that. That should be really fun. I'm, I, you know, I, they'll probably all get just destroyed and murdered super hard two of them only have one hit point so that should be good but the one one of the ones with one hit point has really good stats so we'll see we shall see but i can't wait anyway folks thanks again to carl and amy and yeah until next time be kind to each other peace out